hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. Have you ever heard that expression before in your life? If you're a runner, you've heard that expression before, right? If you're someone who likes to run, particularly if you like to run marathons, you know exactly what it means to hit the wall. You know that hitting the wall is something that every runner fears. You know that it is a runner's worst nightmare. You know that it is when a runner is competing in a race, but he can't finish. He can't finish. He gets too tired and he collapses short of the finish line. He suffers intense fatigue. He's burnt out. He feels like he can't go any further because maybe mentally he's worn out or maybe he's not hydrated enough. Or maybe he feels that his legs or his or his back or his hips or his calves are are experiencing too much pain. There's so many different reasons, so many different things that can cause a runner to hit a wall. The question is, can that happen to us today? Can that happen to Christians? Can that happen to to disciples of Jesus Christ? As we run and compete in this spiritual journey to heaven, can we hit a wall? Can we suffer fatigue and burn out and fail to get across the finish line? I submit to you that as Christians, as the people of God, that can happen to us. That can happen to me and that can happen to you. We, We can hit a wall. We can suffer burnout and intense fatigue and collapse and fail to make it across the spiritual finish line. In fact, how many times have we seen that happen to Christians before? How many times have we even seen that happen to Christians here before? I mean, think about it. Think about some Christians, you know, who were at one time part of this church. They were part of the Monta Vista family, but they quit running. They dropped out. They left Jesus and they're no longer in the spiritual race. Can you see some of those people in your mind right now? Can you see their faces? Can you see where they at one time sat in this building? Do you remember the various things they did in this church? Do you remember the comments they made in Bible classes? Do you remember how fire And zealous they were at one time for the Lord. Can you see any people like that in your mind right now? If so, then let me ask you this now. Why did they quit? Why did they stop running? Why does any disciple stop running in the spiritual race? Well, I submit that like in any race going on in the world today, the reason why Christians stop running in the spiritual race is because they lack endurance they lack endurance they lack what peter refers to as perseverance in second peter 1 and verse 6 going back to where our scripture reading came from this morning i want you to notice how in second peter 1 and verse 6 the apostle peter in this list mentions perseverance this word perseverance that peter mentions here is a word that means endurance It means steadfastness and patience. It means that no matter what obstacles we we face in our lives, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to drop out. We're going to keep going and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep going and and we're going to make it across the finish line. That's what it means to have endurance or, or perseverance. And so as we as a congregation press on 
to spiritual maturity, which is the theme, the church theme that our shepherds have set for us this year as we continue trying to grow to spiritual maturity. Now that we have spent the months of February through May talking about how to act to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and then self-control, let's talk about the next thing on the list this month. And let's talk about some perseverance. Let's talk about some endurance. How to get some perseverance as the people of God. In fact, I want to give you at least three reasons. I want to give you three reasons why the Bible says we need perseverance. First, we need perseverance, my dear friends, because being a Christian, being a Christian isn't always easy. Being a Christian isn't always easy. I mean, it's pretty easy right now, right? I mean, right now, as we gather in this place, there, there are really no challenges to, to being a Christian. I mean, we're all together in this building, in this nice meeting place, and we believe the same things. We believe the same things about God. We believe the same things about Jesus. We believe the same things about, about the Bible and, and how the Bible is inspired by God. We believe the same things about heaven and hell and, and, and about salvation and, and about worship. In fact, for the last few minutes, we've been worshiping God. We've been singing spiritual songs together and taking the Lord's Supper together and sharing our money together and praying together. And we're encouraging each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Right now, being a Christian is a breeze. It's easy. It's painless. It's full of joy and smiles and sunshine and celebration. That's what it means. That's what it feels like to be a Christian right now. But you and I both know that every day is not like today. Every day is not like Sunday. Every day we're not surrounded by people who love us and, and care about us and want to encourage us to serve Jesus. Some days we're outnumbered. Some days we're outnumbered by the world. Some days we're being persecuted by the world. Some days we got people on our job and in our school and on our sports team and even in our families who call us bigots. And they call us old fashioned and outdated and, and primitive with the way that we think. Some days we were being persecuted by people in the world and, and some days we got pain, don't we? We got pain in our bodies. We got pain in these earthen vessels. We got so much pain in these, in these earthly bodies that maybe it's hard for us to eat or sleep or, or sit up or just be around people for a couple of hours. We may even have pain brought to us by other people. Pain brought to us by children who've left the Lord. Pain brought to us by a spouse who's not a Christian, but the spouse every day openly mocks our faith. Pain brought to us by brethren, brethren who are just mean. And they say hurtful things and they hit us with friendly fire and they don't display the kind of love and grace and kindness that we've been reading about in 1 Corinthians 13 last week. Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian because of persecution and because of pain. And let's not forget about temptation, right? Let's not forget about the temptations that, that come our way, the temptations that are brought to us and brought upon us by the devil, in fact, speaking of the devil, let's not forget to mention the devil. Let's not forget to mention about how while contrary to what a lot of people believe, the devil is real. He is real and he is alive and he hates us 
and his influence is everywhere we go. It's on television. It's on the internet. It's on Netflix. It's on Disney Plus. It's wherever we decide to go on vacation. It's on our jobs. It's at the gym. It's at the ball games. It's even, in some cases, among members of people in our family. Again, it's not easy being a Christian. It's not always easy being a disciple or a follower of the way and the truth and the life. And it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Will you join me in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, please? In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse number 23, as the Apostle Paul contrasts himself to his enemies, enemies of the gospel. He says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so. And far more labors and far more imprisonments, beating times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beat with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Let me ask you a question. When you read those verses, do you get the impression that being a Christian was always easy for the Apostle Paul? Do you get the impression that as the Apostle Paul tried his best to practice New Testament Christianity every single day, his life was full of roses and sunshine and he never had any kind of problems at all? Do you get that impression when you read those verses? Because I don't. I don't get that impression when I read those verses. Instead, the impression I get is when it came to living his life as a Christian, the Apostle Paul had some hard days. He had some challenging days. He had some days when the persecution was severe and the suffering was, was intense and he could have easily lost heart. It wasn't always easy being a Christian for the Apostle Paul. And we need to understand it's not always going to be easy for us. It's not going to be easy for me always. And it's not going to be easy for you. And if we don't have the quality of endurance or perseverance, you know what we're going to do? We're going to quit. We're going to drop out. We're going to fall short of the spiritual finish line. We need to have endurance or perseverance as Christians. Because being a Christian isn't always easy. In fact, in addition to that, let me add to the list that we need perseverance because, well, because sometimes we get discouraged. You ever get discouraged? You ever get discouraged as a Christian or a disciple? If so, then let me ask you this now. What caused that? What caused you to get discouraged as a Christian? Was it because you fell back into some sin? Was it because you caved into some temptation or some temptations? Was it because you got frustrated? You got frustrated with all the sin being promoted in the world right now. You got frustrated with the widespread acceptance of things like homosexuality and abortion and transgenderism. You got frustrated because you go to work and a lot of people in your job, they dress in modestly. 
and they curse with every sentence they speak, and they're constantly talking about going to the bar and drinking with their friends on the weekends. Maybe you found yourself being frustrated with the fact that a lot of people you love that you're trying to reach with the gospel, they won't give you the time of day. They won't listen to you. They won't consider anything you, you have to say. They won't accept your invitation to come here and, and worship God and learn the Bible. They won't take a, a daily Bible reading schedule when you offer that to them. They won't accept your offer to just give you a few minutes to sit down with them and, and talk about Jesus. You show them a simple verse like Mark 16, 16, where Jesus says he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And they don't care what that verse says. They don't care what Jesus says. They're going to continue to believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do. Maybe that really discourages you that you can't seem to reach the people you love with the gospel. And let's not fail to mention again some of our brethren. Let's not fail to mention how sometimes the most discouraging people we meet are not people outside of the family of God, but they're people inside the family of God. They're our own brothers and sisters in Christ. We can actually read about people like that in the Bible. People like Demas and people like Diotrephes in 3 John and people like Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And don't forget about Judas, the apostle who betrayed Jesus. There are so many different things that can discourage us. As we run this spiritual race and if we don't have endurance or, or perseverance, my friends, you know what we're going to do? We're going to quit. We're going to drop out. We are going to fail to make it across the spiritual finish line. In fact, in addition to needing perseverance because being a Christian isn't always easy and we at times get discouraged. A third reason why we need this is because this journey we're in, it's long. It's a long race. It's a long journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a journey that for some people goes on for decades and decades and decades and decades. In fact, many of you in this room, you know firsthand what I'm talking about, right? Many of you in this room can remember when you first obeyed the gospel. Maybe you were Brenna's age or Drew's age or, or Faith Amalong's age. Maybe you can remember obeying the gospel when you were a teenager and when you came up out of the waters of baptism, you were so excited. You were so passionate. You were full of zeal. You're a babe in Christ. You're born again. You're a new Christian. You got that newness kind of a feeling, but eventually that newness wears off. That newness wears off like that new car smell wears off eventually. And the next thing you know, 10 years have gone by. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50, 60, maybe even 70 years go by and you've seen a lot. You've seen good days, you've seen bad days, you've seen good things and bad things. You've seen some people obey the gospel and become Christians, and you've seen also a lot of people leave the Lord during that time, haven't you? You've seen a lot of people obey the gospel, and you've seen a lot of people leave Jesus. You've seen a lot of people stop running the spiritual race. You've seen a lot of people have to be spiritually disciplined. You've seen some change in times, haven't you? You've seen more and more people in our society begin calling evil things good and good things evil. You've been through a lot of years of pain and tears and trials and moments of, moments of discouragement, and yet 
Look at you this morning. You're here. You're still here. You're still running. You still love the Lord. You're still studying your Bible, still praying. Still doing what it takes to be pleasing to the Lord. You are you're still running this race that you started so long ago. You can testify firsthand that perseverance is needed in this spiritual race because not only is the journey hard and not only is it full of moments of discouragement, but for a lot of people, it can also be a long journey. A long journey, and if you don't have perseverance, you're going to quit. And so these are three reasons why we need to have perseverance or endurance. But let me close the lesson with this last question. How do we get this? How do we develop perseverance or endurance that we so desperately need as the people of God? I'm going to give you a few things very quickly, and the lesson's going to be over. How do we develop perseverance? Well, first, we develop it by Develop it by suffering. And you probably didn't see that coming. But you got to suffer. You got to even embrace suffering. And maybe we shouldn't be shocked by this because James told us about this in James chapter, James chapter 1. Remember Brother Mitch brought a lesson from James 1. James chapter 1 a few days ago in SBS. James 1 in verse number 1. The Bible says in James 1 in verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who were dispersed or scattered abroad, they're probably being persecuted, the early Christians. James says, greeting, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's what we're talking about, endurance, perseverance. Verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result. So that you may be, may be perfect. The idea of perfect means mature, spiritually mature, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Notice what James is saying there about trials in those verses. Notice how James says that while trials and periods of suffering can be hard, while they can be painful, while they can hurt us and wear us out and feel like uphill climbs, they can also bless us. They can also help us. They can also grow us spiritually and help us develop patience and perseverance and endurance. That's what James is saying in those verses. And I need to remember that. You need to remember that. We all need to remember that. We need to always remember that periods of trials and sufferings are opportunities. They're actually opportunities. They hurt. They bring a lot of pain. But there are opportunities. There are opportunities to grow in perseverance. There are opportunities to get tougher and grow thicker skin for the Lord. There are opportunities to stretch ourselves and refine ourselves and solidify and pass tests of faith. There are opportunities to turn to God instead of away from God. There are opportunities to pray more and study the Bible more. And push ourselves to continue coming to worship God even if we don't feel like getting out of bed. There are opportunities to trust God more. And grow and become more useful and helpful to people who are hurting in God's family. And develop the kind of endurance we need to keep on and make it across the finish line. You see, for a lot of the people in this room who have been Christians for a very long time, 40, 50, 60 years... The reason they're still here is because they've gone through some tough times. 
They've seen a lot of difficult days, but they endured, they persevered, and that built their Christian character. That helped them. It helped them trust God more, to love the Lord more. And that's why it's part of the reason why they're still running today. And so we can develop perse- uh, perseverance through suffering, through experiencing persecution and trials in life and getting through those things. That can help us build up endurance. But not only can suffering help us build up endurance, another thing that can help us is by being inspired by those who've already finished the race. And many of you know where I'm going with that. I'm talking about what the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews 12. Please go in your Bible to Hebrews 12 and verse 1. And Hebrews, the 12th chapter in verse number 1, the Hebrew writer says this, Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So notice how the Hebrew writer says that as we run and try to get endurance, as we run with endurance in this race, one of the things that will help us get endurance or or perseverance is by considering the cloud of witnesses. Considering those who've already run and finished the spiritual race. Who are those people? Well, that's the people he mentions in the previous chapter, Hebrews 11. That's your Abrahams and your Noahs and your Rahabs and your Sarahs and your Isaac and your and your Josephs and your Jacobs, people like that. People we say are in the hall, the spiritual hall of fame. Many of you know I'm not a big fan of that language, calling Hebrews 11 the hall of faith or the spiritual hall of fame. I'm not a big fan of that language because I have been to sports hall of fames before. Been to the NBA hall of fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Been to the NFL hall of fame in Canton, Ohio. And when I go into those places, the first thing that comes into my mind is this. I can't be like these people. I can't be like Michael Jordan. I can't be like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Joe Montana, Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice. I can't be like those people. Those people are on a whole other level when it comes to athletic ability. That's the message I get as soon as I walk into those places. But that's not the message God wants me to get from this. That is not the message God wants me to get from Hebrews 11. The mess from Hebrews chapter 11 is not, Sean, you can't be like those people. It's not Lance, you can't be like those people. Or Rick, you can't be like those people. Or Gary, you can't be like those people. Instead, the message here is you can't be like those people. You can't be Abraham. You can't be Noah. You can't be Sarah or Rahab or Joseph. You can be an ordinary person. Who, despite making a ton of mistakes in your life, you can trust God and have faith in God and persevere and complete the spiritual race. Hebrews 11, my dear friends, is not in the Bible to give us a list of a bunch of super Christians. Instead, this list is in the Bible to inspire us, to motivate us. To compel us to keep going, to keep running, going harder and harder and stronger and stronger with complete faith and trust in God. So we need to be inspired by those who finish the race. But Hebrew writer also says we can develop perseverance by making sure we leave behind what weighs us down. For those of you who've ever run in marathons before, I'm pretty sure you didn't wear wear ankle weights while you ran in, in a marathon. You don't wear a weight vest 
when you're running a marathon. Now, when you're running a marathon, you strip off anything that's going to weigh you down. That's the way it works when it comes to races in the physical world. And that's also the way it's supposed to work when it comes to this race we're running in the spiritual world. And we see, that, we see that again in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, where the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Notice how, like runners do in marathons today, when it comes to the race we are running as Christians, we got to leave behind what's going to weigh us down. Specifically, we got to leave behind sin. We got to leave behind the sin. We can't dabble in sin. We can't justify our sins. We can't make excuses for our sins. We can't spend our time sitting on Friday night and Saturday night at the club and, and then trying to pretend like we're, we're super Christians and we really love the Lord on Sunday at church. Doesn't work that way. Can't work that way. Can't work that way. Christians who live double lives. They don't finish the spiritual race. They don't make it across the finish line. You know why? Well, because the Hebrew writer says sin will tangle them up. Sin will trip them up. Sin will eat away their energy and their focus. If we're going to run with endurance in the spiritual race, we got to leave behind what's going to weigh us down. And that's sin and wickedness. And we also got to make sure we focus on Jesus. That's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Look at verse 2, please. After he tells us to run with endurance, the race that is set before us, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice how the Hebrew writer says, as we run this spiritual race, as we try to make it to the spiritual finish line, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Got to look at Jesus. Why do I have to look at Jesus? Well, because Jesus had exactly what we're looking for this morning. Jesus had endurance. Jesus endured trials and problems in this life. Jesus endured hatred and hostility. Jesus endured moments of discouragement and disappointment. Jesus endured the cross and accomplished the will of God. Jesus endured at the highest level. And as his disciples, we should be we should be motivated by that. We should be inspired by that. We should be inspired as disciples to be like Jesus. We should be inspired to keep running and keep pressing on and enduring the hardships of this life. In fact, the great thing for us is as we do that, Jesus promises to help us. Jesus promises to be with us even to the end of the world. Jesus promises to never abandon us or forsake us. Jesus promises to never give up on us as long as we don't give up on him. If we're going to get endurance, then we got to focus, keep our eyes focused on the one who endured at the highest level. And that's Jesus. And not only do we got to focus on Jesus, but the final thing we got to do is we got to keep focus on the prize. We got to focus on the prize. And that's what runners do in races in the world today. They are running to get a prize, to get something at the end of the finish line. 
And so the Bible talks about the very same thing. I want to show you a few different passages to drive this point home, and I want to see if you can see the connection with them all, please. Let's start with Philippians, please. Philippians, the third chapter, is going to weave some verses together, and then we're going to be done here in a couple of minutes. In Philippians, the third chapter, look at verse number 12. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this, Philippians 3, 12, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, now, the word perfect there doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means maturity, a perfect level of spiritual maturity. Paul says, I'm not there. And that's Paul saying that. Now, Paul's not there. Where's Sean Jeffries? He's not even close. Paul was never content with his current spiritual maturity. He never was content with that. If he was a member here at Monta Vista, he would be cheering this theme we have on. He wants to grow in his maturity. He says that here. He says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I don't care about my past accomplishments. I'm thinking about the future and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul talks about the prize. He's trying to get the prize. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And then I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 after that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and in verse number 24, Paul says this, verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that those who run in a, in a, in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. We're trying to win this race. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do this to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. That's what we're trying to get. We're trying to get the imperishable wreath there. Now look at 2 Corinthians, please. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 17. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says this, For momentary light affliction... Now, remember, Paul went through a lot. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was abused as a Christian. And yet he calls those things momentary light affliction. That's amazing. He says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. This world is temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He's going for the things you can't see. One more place, please. You know this one, 2 Timothy chapter 4. You knew we had to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is the Apostle Paul, not long before he's going to be executed by the Roman government for his faith, for being a Christian. And he says this as he gets ready to close his contribution to the New Testament. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see the common thought that weaves its way through all those verses. Notice how in all those verses we see that the thing that helped the Apostle Paul endure all the suffering and trials and, and problems of this life was the reward. It was the reward 
that was waiting at the finish line. It was heaven. It was eternal life. It was the blessing of being able to live with God forever in his house. The prize. The prize to be received at the end of the race. That is what helped Paul persevere and that should help us persevere. When we get tired, when, when we start hurting, when we're discouraged, when we feel life is beating us down and weighing us down, when we get weary from battling the devil every single day, when we feel like we can't go on anymore because life just getting too hard right now, we got to pause. And we got to take a deep breath. And we need to talk to God and we need to remind ourselves of what's waiting at the finish line. Heaven is at the finish line. Jesus is at the finish line. Being able to be in a place where there are no tears and no pain and no more death, that's waiting for us at the finish line. These are five things that I believe can help us persevere and endure and my dear friends, we got to persevere. We have to endure. You see, if we don't persevere and endure and make it across the spiritual finish line, we're not going to get a consolation prize. We're not going to get a ribbon or a T-shirt. Well, because we gave it our best and we put in a you know, pretty good effort. No, 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 no. If we don't make it across this finish line, we're going to lose. And we're going to lose eternally. We're going to lose our souls. We're going to lose out on the blessing of being in heaven. And so may God bless us as we strive to run hard and strong and with the Lord. In fact, maybe you sit there this morning and you say to yourself, well, I haven't even begun running yet. Maybe you sit there this morning and you say you haven't even begun running in the spiritual race yet. Well, you can begin that this morning. You can begin running with Jesus this morning if you're willing to believe in him and turn away from your sins, repent of your sins, confess him as the Lord, be baptized for the remission of your sins. According to Acts 2 verse 38, you can start running with the Lord and running towards the prize this morning. Or if you've dropped out of the race, you're no longer running with the Lord. The great news for you is you can repent and God will forgive you and you can start running, running with him again and make sure you don't miss out on what's at the end of this race. And so if there's anyone here this morning who needs to either begin their spiritual journey or get back on the right path again. We'll help you right now. Come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing. There Jesus will receive